you're listening to the summary of the interview. For a link to the full-length episode, please check the description below. You're going to listen to an episode about trees and tree planting. Why we need to plant millions of trees is known to most of us, but how are we going to do that? And how are we going to choose what to plant where and why to regenerate the 2 billion hectares that are currently degraded around the world? Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started, I've been recording these interviews next to my day job and I will definitely continue to do so and release about an episode a month. But at the same time, I would love to take this further, share more interviews. There are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Koen van Seyen, and today I interview Harry, Arnaud and Koen of Land Life Company. I've interviewed the co-founder of Landlife before in the first episode of this podcast about two and a half years ago, and I will definitely link back this episode in the show notes below. My name is Arnaud Asjes at Landlife. I'm responsible for the technology department. And to answer the question, for me, it was totally I rolled into this. I was just lucky to come in contact with the concept of planting trees in dry areas. My background is not as the gentleman uh, on my right in, uh, in, in Wageningen in arid agriculture or in forestry, but it's in business administration. I have a background at agricultural Wageningen, Wageningen Agriculture University, a background in tropical crop sciences. And actually I fell in love with desert climates, looking specifically to the plant physiological aspects of trees and to see how they manage under dry conditions and in my perspective, you see trees which are spenders, you see trees which are savers, and those are the same traits you see in human people when they are facing risk, environmental risks. I'm a biologist, really deciding to be a biologist at the age of eight or so or ten. Coming to trees, and trees are really fascinating organisms, standing on a single place for centuries and having to cope with anything that goes by there. It is really necessary to use trees, to use forests, to sequester carbon, to to protect biodiversity, to protect areas and soils, and to hand them over in a better state to the next generation. I mean, the science and the, the government are not going to do this. That is a too lengthy, too inefficient kind of process. So you really need, let's say, a kind of can-do organization. Could you give us a short update where Landlife Company is? We started focused on the cocoon, a product that we use to protect trees and to grow them in dry areas. Then the last two and a half years, we really went from a product-oriented companies 
basically a seller of cocoons to a end-to-end reforestation uh, company. Now our clients pay us for uh, either for per hectare or per ton CO2 sequestered. The, the way in which reforestation has been done is a pretty traditional industry. There has been nothing on a global level, um, not a lot of science being done for the simple reason that there's not a lot of money to be made. We work for a Dutch company called Leaseplan, which has millions of cars around the world that they lease out to clients. And they are planning to become fully electric in 2030. Their goal is to be in a, uh, fully electric in 2030, but up to that time and uh, up to that time, all the CO2 that is uh, expended, they want to sequester. We are engaging in a process called data-driven planting, where we basically want to plant as much trees as possible in a planting season. We want to do it at the lowest cost possible and at the lowest impact to nature, but to plant as many trees as as possible, but to do, go and engage into these contracts and, and build these machines and develop these machines that can do this at scale, uh, we, we felt it was necessary to become a private uh, company. We always joke that the villages in which we plant, the youngest person is 60 or 70. And there's a lot of urbanization in Spain. A lot of uh, youth has moved to the cities to get jobs, don't want to work the fields. So that's another reason why we come in with a lot of mechanization. But these areas are very uh, much of interest to us because there's a lot of erosion going on and nature is not coming back unaided. Probably that in 50 years or 100 years, trees will start and there will be uh, a primary species coming back. But to, uh, to speed that up is why we plant there. So it, it won't rewild in itself in time to be a function for CO2 capture. What are the considerations when you find a piece of land or even choosing a piece of land? When we first start to assess uh, soil and climate, it's sort of the combination of the agroecological zoning that we see. We would like to have planting trees which stay there for at least uh, decades. Do you also look at the carbon potential of the trees? What are differences between one type and another? Well, the kind of magnitude is, is huge, clearly uh, depending on local conditions, water, nutrients and so on. Scale is really important because you have, you really build in a forest, so tens and hundreds of hectares are good. At the end of the day, you really need to restore landscapes, catchments. The value of the tree is the value of the match. Resilience, the ability to bounce back, is that you want to build a forest. Spain is actually uh, the first European country that really has to deal with decertification. Can we also plant uh, nut types or can we do other types of, as Harry always says, you can't eat CO2 uh, credits. We get assigned several pieces of land and then our technology basically takes over. We use drone and satellite imagery to go back, look at uh, vegetation that is there now, but also what used to be done on the land. We take soil samples very simply. We take soil moisture measurements. The client in this sense would also be what, what are his objectives? Is it uh, habitat restoration? Is it straight nature restoration? Is it CO2 sequestration or a combination of ecosystem services? The database is your, those are your former projects that you're monitoring 
to find out what's working. Each tree, we uh, have a GPS lock. So a lat long, which is unique for a tree. Then we register the species, obviously the vigor rating, which is kind of qualitative, but it's a scale of how healthy a tree is. You can look at things like animal damage, branching, length of the tree, the diameter of the stem, and you track that over time. What, what is the best period of time to plant that tree? And does it do better on a south facing slope or does it do better in a valley or, or on a slope? Or is it better for erosion or uh, for CO2 sequestration? We also have data scientists and um, a GIS specialist, a map making specialist that are writing algorithms with a drone to be able to capture every tree we've planted. Diversity is a kind of risk management approach. What is also increasingly clear is that biodiversity as such results in higher productivity of the ecosystem. I really like to see the, put the trees in purpose for mitigation of climate change. We have to look into biodiversity and there's no one single bullet or not one single tree which can do the trick. There's still a lot of trees being cut, a lot of mining being done. Um, there's not a lot of trees being planted back and that should become at least in balance. And obviously there should be more negative emissions in that sense or a positive balance to tree planting compared to tree cutting down. I don't think the public can imagine what the impact is, but I would say try to imagine what the, the, the other side of that impact is if you go from brown to green. I think this is becoming an industry and it's becoming a money-making industry and, and really money-making for good. What are the potential consequences of not acting? Just listen to the summary of the interview. For the full-length interview, please find the link in the description below. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.